You know you're supposed to brush your teeth and floss and get a cleaning and check up at the dentist. So we're not going to focus on that in our readings about oral health today. Instead, we're going to read about other mouth problems, including canker sores, oral thrush, bad breath, and something nasty called burning mouth syndrome. As an aside, I am needing to find a new dentist, at least for a while. I'm due for a cleaning, so I called to make sure that everyone in the dental office has been vaccinated against COVID-19 before I schedule my appointment. Well, did I get a new one ripped? I was told that it was none of my business whether they were vaccinated. I explained why it is my business, that I may not be vaccinated against COVID variants, and that as long as we don't have herd immunity, the virus will continue to mutate. I also explained that I have many friends and family who are immune suppressed, who may not get as much coverage against COVID from the vaccines as other people. So they are relying on other people getting vaccinated. The receptionist then did tell me that they are not getting vaccinated in that office. I really like them, and I've really liked their care. So I'll find out if I can make a short-term jump to another fully vaccinated practice until my usual dental practice gets vaccinated. Or I may have to make a complete change if they have no plans ever to vaccinate. Anyway, why am I telling you? If it matters to you whether or not your healthcare providers are vaccinated, you are clearly going to need to ask them directly before making an appointment. You obviously can't simply rely on the fact that you assume healthcare professionals will have been vaccinated. Anyway, I hope our readings today have something in them for everyone, and let's get started with What Your Mouth Is Trying to Tell You by Mo Perry written for Experience Life magazine and published in the May 2021 issue. Many of us watch what we eat, exercise regularly, and get routine medical checkups, yet reach for the dental floss only sporadically. This may be because the mouth seems separate from the rest of the body, a portal meant solely for getting food and drink into our bodies. Yet nothing could be further from the truth. Oral health affects our heart, joints, and immune system. You can't have true general health unless your mouth is healthy, explains functional dentist Maryland Chalmers, DMD. Oral health is about more than just teeth and gums, she adds. It includes the mouth's microbial population or microbiome. And what happens in your mouth does not stay there. It literally trickles down to affect the rest of your body, beginning with your gut. The oral cavity is the gateway to the digestive system. From your mouth and esophagus to your large intestine, your gastrointestinal GI tract is a unified system with many highly specialized parts. Taking care of your mouth means taking care of your whole GI tract and more. Change starts at the top. Physicians have become more familiar with the gut microbiome, the bacteria, fungi, and viruses that live in the digestive tract and play a critical role in digestion, mood, sleep quality, immune function, and more. But there's less attention paid to the microbiome in the mouth, even though it plays a key role in keeping the gut microbiome robust and healthy. The oral microbiome seeds the gut microbiome, explains family and sleep medicine dentist Mark Burhen, DDS. We swallow about a liter to a liter and a half of saliva daily, containing trillions of bugs. 
This means every time we swallow, we shower the GI tract, particularly the small and large intestines, with microbes from our mouths. This may sound threatening since decades of mouthwash and toothpaste commercials have portrayed mouth bacteria as evil microscopic goblins we must eradicate, but it's the opposite. Just as diversity in the gut microbiome supports overall health, hosting a variety of friendly bugs in our mouths is far healthier than wiping them out. The strategy for the future in this great age of understanding the microbiome is to promote and nourish your good bugs instead of trying to kill the bad ones, notes integrative and functional medicine researcher Cass Nelson Dooley, MS, in Heal Your Oral Microbiome. It turns out the beneficial microbes in our mouths are far better at protecting us from pathogens and bad bugs than even the strongest mouthwash. They do this while helping to regulate the immune response, and they may even create chemicals that contribute to lower blood pressure. Instead of banishing them, we should be throwing them a parade. If the bacteria in our mouths lack diversity, harmful strains can begin to take over and create oral dysbiosis, explains Burhan. These harmful bacteria can then cascade down and cause an imbalance in gut bacteria, also known as gut dysbiosis. We know that the mouth and the gut are linked, he says. Oral dysbiosis can impact gut dysbiosis. This can lead to problems such as inflammatory bowel disease, or IBD. Interestingly, people with IBD are more likely to have periodontal disease and inflamed gums. Nelson Dooley points out striking similarities between the two conditions, including an imbalanced microbiome, damage to the lining, and altered immune responses, suggesting that the link between the two is a strong one. Many dentists don't consider the oral microbiome's health, but some have begun to take a different view. In functional dentistry, we see the mouth as part of the whole ecosystem of the body, and we work to nurture the oral microbiome, notes Burhan. The functional medicine tenets of oral hygiene include many familiar elements, brushing and flossing, avoiding refined sugar, and getting regular dental cleanings. But functional dentists go further in their attention to the oral microbiome, recommending their patients avoid alcohol-based mouthwashes that kill good bacteria along with bad, as well as toothpastes that use surfactants and emulsifiers that can damage the oral mucosal lining. Functional dentists also stress the importance of diet and nutrition in promoting a healthy oral microbiome. Vitamins A, D, and K2 are particularly important for healthy teeth. Chewing whole fibrous foods helps keep jaw muscles strong and toned. Tongue scraping, removing the film that accumulates overnight with a metal scraper, can help prevent cavities and bad breath while improving digestion and immune function. And breathing through the nose instead of the mouth is also critical, both for proper jaw development and nurturing the oral microbiome. Like functional medicine, functional dentistry addresses the imbalances at the root of symptoms. Proponents believe it could be a game changer for global health. One could argue that tooth decay and periodontal disease are some of the most common chronic diseases worldwide, notes Chalmers. We need a different foundation and modality to address the root causes of these problems. And we go on to an another article titled, A Functional Approach to Oral Health. 
Suffering from any of these oral health issues, this guide can help you understand the root causes and what you can do about them. Bad breath. Mask wearing during the pandemic has made us all intimately familiar with the state of our own breath. If you've noticed that yours is less than fresh, the cause could be as simple as dehydration or as complex as a microbial imbalance in the mouth or gut. To improve your breath, Chalmers recommends more frequent brushing and flossing. If that doesn't help, she looks for signs of enlarged tonsils, where small stones can form and attract odor-causing bacteria. Infections in the maxillary teeth, those in the upper jaw, can also affect the sinuses and lead to post-nasal drip, which can cause bad breath. Mouth breathing is another common cause of bad breath, notes Burhen. Saliva helps keep bad bacteria in check, and breathing through the mouth instead of the nose dries out the oral cavity, setting the stage for halitosis. A 2011 Brazilian study found a correlation between mouth breathing and strong odors in children's breath. The basis, basics of good breath also include a whole foods diet. Limit processed and refined carbohydrates and emphasize fermented probiotic foods such as kimchi and sauerkraut, as well as prebiotic staples like garlic, onions, asparagus, and leeks. Nelson Dooley also recommends supplementing with chewable probiotics. Tongue scraping is another useful intervention. Some studies estimate that 80 to 95% of bad breath comes from the buildup of food, bacteria, fungi, and dead cells at the back of the tongue, says Burhan. If the problem persists, the culprit may be lurking deeper in the GI tract with yeast or bacterial overgrowth. In that case, working with a functional medicine provider can help you find and address the root cause. Canker sores. These small ulcers on the soft tissues of the mouth or on the gums aren't contagious, unlike cold sores, but they can make eating and talking uncomfortable. They appear to share several root causes with ulcers in other parts of the GI tract, including infection with Helicobacter pylori bacteria and overuse of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like ibuprofen. They may also be triggered by harsh oral care products. Canker sores are often the result of modern oral products like toothpaste and mouthwash, says Bernhen. Many toothpastes contain sodium lauryl sulfate, SLS, a sudsing agent that gives that foamy effect when you brush your teeth. That foamy feeling might feel good, but SLS actually strips away the protective lining of the mouth, he explains. I can tell when my patients are using a toothpaste with SLS in it because of the sloughing of cheek cells. It's one of the most recognizable conditions in the mouth. Studies have shown that using an SLS-free toothpaste can decrease the frequency of canker sores. Food intolerances are another common culprit. With ulcers, I always think about irritation from food sensitivities, says Nelson Dooley. She recommends eliminating gluten from the diet, as well as getting enough amino acids, micronutrients, and essential vitamins and minerals to support the health of mouth tissue. Lingering mouth sores. Mouth sores, or lesions that take a long time to heal, are more concerning than canker sores, says Chalmers. Any that linger for more than a few weeks may need to be biopsied to rule out oral pharyngeal cancer. The cause, though, is usually less worrying and easier to address. 
Metals and fillings and bridges can contribute to mouth sores, particularly when two different metals interact, as with gold bridges and mercury fillings. When there are dissimilar metals with different electric potentials, that can set up reactivity and release metal ions that the body can absorb, explains Chalmers. In some cases, removing just one of the metals can be enough to temper mouth sores and irritation. Burhan adds that alcohol-based mouthwash breaks down cell walls of the mouth's mucosal lining, predisposing you to viral outbreaks, such as cold sores caused by the herpes simplex virus, HSV. Most of us have these viruses in our mouths, but they don't necessarily lead to outbreaks unless we're disinfecting the mouth with caustic ingredients that cause dysbiosis. Patterned or fissured tongue. Deep grooves or fissures on the top of the tongue can be a sign of gut disturbance, says Chalmers. These grooves often occur alongside patterned or geographic tongue, where the tongue surface, normally covered by tiny pinkish-white bumps called papillae, has bare patches with raised borders. Geographic tongue is a great clue for gluten sensitivity and celiac disease, she says. Chalmers recommends working with a functional medicine provider to determine the root of the issue and identify food sensitivities or vitamin deficiencies, such as B12, that can contribute. Oral thrush. Also known as oral candidiasis, oral thrush is caused by an overgrowth of yeast in the mouth. It's most commonly found in babies and cancer patients, but others can get it too. Candida albicans is the most common fungus in the oral microbiome. When it grows to unhealthy levels, it can form white or yellow patches of bumps on the tongue, inner cheeks, gums, or lips. Root causes include a high sugar diet, antibiotic use, and mouth breathing, says Burhen. If high candida is a problem in the mouth or in the gut, you can lower it by cutting foods out of your diet that are high in fungus such as bread, cheese, beer, corn, and nuts, explains Nelson Dooley. An anti-candida diet minimizes sugar, starch, mushrooms, and vinegar. Studies also show that Saccharomyces boulardii, a probiotic yeast that can be taken as a supplement, is effective in combating candida overgrowth. Gum inflammation, recession, and disease. Gums that bleed occasionally may indicate a slight microbial imbalance that can be addressed by a dentist via routine cleaning and a redoubled commitment to flossing and brushing. But Stephen Lynn, DDS, author of The Dental Diet, suggests that bleeding gums alongside consistent hygiene may be the first sign that your body is experiencing excess inflammation. When the gums begin to recede, this can create pockets between gums and teeth where bacteria can accumulate. Eventually, the tissue and bone of the teeth and gums can be damaged, ultimately leading to tooth loss. With gum recession, we look to see if it's happening in the presence of inflammation, explains Chalmers. If there's no evidence of inflammation, the recession could be the result of orthodontic treatment or structural issues with the bite. If there is inflammation, it might be a result of pathogenic bacteria burrowing into the gums and causing gum disease. Cytokines are released by the immune system as it battles pathogenic bacteria, says Burhen. 
The inflammatory response melts away your gum tissue, a disadvantage of the complexity of our immune system. Regular dental cleanings are your best first defense against the bacteria-laden plaque that commonly irritates gum tissue and can cause it to recede. For more persistent bacterial issues, some dentists use tools such as diode lasers and ozone therapy, cleaning the periodontal pockets with ozonated water or concentrated ozone gas. This can help eliminate pathogenic bacteria in the gums. These treatments can also disrupt the biofilms that bacteria create to protect themselves from sterilizing mouthwash. Nelson Dooley notes that even stress can contribute to tissue loss in the gums and elsewhere. Cortisol is a wear and tear hormone. It's hard to build healthy tissue in a chronic stress state. To take care of your gums, brush gently with a soft toothbrush. Avoid harsh oral products, get routine cleanings, breathe through your nose as much as possible, look into possible gluten sensitivity, eat a diet rich in vitamins A and K2, as well as calcium and magnesium, investigate laser or ozone therapy, which can eliminate pathogens in the gums that scaling or cleaning can miss, and man lastly, manage stress. And that was written by Mo Perry in Experience Life. We have time, luckily, to go on to a very long title here. This is, I have burning mouth syndrome, and it's even worse than it sounds. This was written by Juliet James for HuffPost, and it was published on May 3rd, 2021. Let's begin with burning mouth syndrome. It's a crisp October afternoon, the kind of autumnal day I typically love. But I'm sitting in my doctor's office after a week of inexplicable, excruciating mouth pain. It feels like I've scorched my tongue on a hot drink, but I haven't. My doctor ultimately diagnoses me with thrush. This feels wrong to me. I've seen a lot of thrush, having worked with infants for years. My mouth looks completely normal. Still, I fill the antifungal he prescribes and take it. The pain is endless. The medication isn't helping. So I go into research mode. A month passes and I'm still miserable, but I'm also armed with a theory, so I return to my doctor. I tell him that I think it's burning mouth syndrome, or BMS, sometimes referred to as glossodynia. In the U.S., it's estimated that less than 20,000 cases are diagnosed per year. There are two forms of the condition, primary, in which no underlying cause can be determined, and secondary, in which there's another condition or medication that causes it. There is still nothing obviously wrong with my tongue, but the pain gets so intense that I sometimes find it hard to sleep at night. Water tastes like soap. The first time I noticed this, I think my dishwasher hasn't rinsed the dishes properly, but I change glasses and still taste soap. I try bottled water to no avail. The taste varies. Some water sources taste more metallic than others, but always, in the end, there is at least a faint taste of soap. 
I explain all of this to my doctor, and while he admits that he's not very familiar with the condition, it sounds plausible. He agrees that after this long, plus treatment, it's not thrush. After about six weeks, the pain finally goes away, and I foolishly think that whatever it was, it's over. A few weeks later, though, I wake up to discover it is back with a vengeance. Eventually, I will stop having these periods of remission. The condition becomes relentless. It still behaves cyclically. It starts off with intense burning pain. Eventually, one side of my tongue, always the same spot, always on the right, will begin to hurt intensely, as if I'd badly bitten it recently. Then at the end of a cycle, my tongue feels super smooth, as if I have no more taste buds on it. This is when the pain will be the lowest, but it's still not entirely gone. After 18 months of misery, my dentist will formally diagnose the condition. It's not uncommon for a diagnosis to come from a dentist. They see more BMS patients than most doctors do. It's nice to have a formal diagnosis, but I soon realize it doesn't much matter. There's no cure. There isn't really even a treatment. I'm advised to avoid acidic and spicy foods, the very foods that will tend to taste the best as this progresses. Oragel is sometimes the only thing that offers enough relief, albeit temporary, to let me fall asleep or talk or eat. I try all sorts of mouthwashes, but the most they offer is a numbing effect similar to Oragel, and ironically, many of them burn too much to be worth it. Brushing my teeth becomes a major challenge. Toothpaste burns, but even a wet toothbrush with nothing on it intensifies the pain. I begin to dread returning to the dentist after I'm fully vaccinated against COVID-19 because I know that things in my mouth will not be good. Eating becomes a nightmare. I never know what something will taste like from day to day, sometimes even within the course of a single day. One day I'm eating a sandwich and realize it tastes like fish. It's ham and cheddar with mayo. So this is rather disconcerting. It takes some experimenting to realize that the ham and mayo combo is causing this fishy flavor. Either food alone or with other foods tastes fine. Eventually this will pass and the combo will taste normal again. But I know by now that it might go back to tasting fishy or terrible in some other way at any time. I know that any food or drink at any given moment might taste completely effed up. Sometimes food has virtually no flavor at all. The first time this happens after the start of the pandemic, I'm just grateful to have experienced it before, since loss of taste is a COVID-19 symptom. Everything involving my mouth becomes painful talking, eating, sometimes even drinking. The pain is often really bad in the mornings since I suffer from serious dry mouth, thanks to my psych meds, and overnight my mouth can get so dry that my throat is sore. While dry mouth and some meds can be a trigger for secondary BMS, it seems unlikely in my case since I've had dry mouth for well over a decade. The most likely explanation is that I have Hashimoto's disease, an autoimmune condition where your body attacks your thyroid. 
It did not respond well to the gastric sleeve surgery I had in March 2018, and my thyroid levels have been effed up ever since. Hypothyroidism can be a trigger for BMS. There will be nights when I have to stay awake until I'm literally unable to, because if I just try to sleep, the pain will keep me awake and my anxiety will run wild. On some days, I have to force myself to just eat something because the pain, combined with the unpredictability of how anything might taste at any given point, is overwhelming. I will become utterly exhausted and frustrated by this, and food will feel like too much damn work. I find myself ignoring calls from my best friend or my mom because talking is just too painful. And I'm originally from New Jersey. I really like to talk. I will find myself explaining it to them, hoping they can understand, given how ridiculous it all sounds, even to me, the one living with it. I will look online for support, but even sites like The Mighty don't have resources or communities of fellow sufferers. I begin to feel incredibly isolated and alone in dealing with it. I will remind myself that I'm used to chronic pain. After all, I've had fibromyalgia for almost two decades. I have had endometriosis, which caused so much pain that even narcotics couldn't touch it. Unfortunately, the reality is that BMS is an entirely different experience. It's maddening. I soon will find myself fighting the urge to engage in various types of self-harm, just to distract myself from the pain, or just to experience a different pain. Instead, I will pick at my skin, an obsessive-compulsive disorder behavior I've battled since my teens, one that will become worse because of BMS. And the pandemic didn't help. I find myself experiencing suicidal ideation for the first time in a very long time. Thankfully, I won't become actively suicidal, but I will think about it. I don't want to die, but at the same time, on some truly bad nights, I find myself thinking that death would mean the pain is gone. There are times when that doesn't seem like such a terrible trade-off. I realized that I lived with fibro pain for probably a decade before I ever felt that way. BMS took me to that dark place in less than six months. As I write this, it's been almost 30 months of living with BMS, which I wish I could say it's gone, that I found something to treat it, that it's better. The most I can say is that I've adjusted. There are days when the pain is really bad or things taste especially weird or bad, and I just want to cry from the frustration. My thyroid is still screwed up. I'm hoping my most recent medication adjustment will be the one, and that it will finally stabilize for more than five minutes. Maybe, I dare to hope, if that happens, the BMS will just go away as quickly as it came on. But other times, that hope is too much to allow. The pandemic has helped with perspective in terms of suicidal thoughts. It's made me much more aware that I don't want to die, that there's too much I still want to do. So I fight through my darkest moments. I keep going. Wow, that really sounds incredibly difficult. I thank you for tuning in to Sound Body today. Stay well, and please come back next week for more healthy living ideas.